Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 46 of History on the Table. Rich, 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 rich. Yeah. Busy month. Has been a busy, busy time month. of year. It's almost April. Which means it I'm is almost three April. weeks from tonight, I'm going to be at a con. It's going to be awesome. And you won't be there, you loser. I won't. But you know what else is, is three weeks, less than three weeks from tonight? What's that? Bom, 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 bom. The 2023 History on the Table draft. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We got that are coming you, up. Are you ready? <laughs> I am not ready at all. I need to think about my draft strategy. I need to get my war board up and everything. Yeah. So a little fun episode because April's will be, I assume we'll we'll dive into a lot of what you played at uh, SwankyCon. Yep. And April's always a busy month for me, so April's going to be a little sure. silly, a little weird, and so a little fun. We have some special guests joining us for the first ever. The NFL draft is rolling through Kansas City this year, and so I said, "Hey, let's do that. Let's have our own draft." So nice. every game is eligible, and we're going to have a little thing. So you can look for that around April seventeenth. That's at least when we're recording. I don't know when yeah. it'll be out, but shortly after. I think it'd be fun to watch watch people build their strategy, you know. Yeah. Because it's not just about war games. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, you know, you get to pick these games, and and these are the only games you ever get to own the rest of your life. These so are your games. Build your small collection. And there's at least three of the five teams individuals are U.S. Civil War fans, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. People are going to be talking about it for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun with it, too. We're going to give each other draft grades, and then we're going to put the team list out there, team roster, and then if people want to participate, they can give us a draft grade. We should should let everyone else vote on who won the draft as well. Oh, well, yeah. It's whoever took you to Civil War. We'll save you the time. (laughs) Before that special episode, though, next Friday, April 7th, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, we're recording on the 31st. April 7th, 2023 at 8.15 Central Time. Got to get the little ones to bed. We will be streaming the 2022 Historical Board Game Awards. Uh, So the fan vote is in. The votes have been tallied and we have our winners. And we have a little stream planned for that. Should be a good time. Nothing. You got the envelopes all made up and everything. Yeah, that's not quite that fancy, but it should just be a good a good time hanging out, talking about great games. Uh, I'm not wearing a tux, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and then finally, Rich, you have a convention, but in August, here in Kansas City, we have a convention. Historic Fest is just over four months away. Wow, that's nice to hear. I'm absolutely looking forward to that one. I'm going with my my college age daughter this time, and she and I are both really looking forward to going to it. In fact, we've I started posting some games up that that we want to play and uh, want some other people to join us on. And I saw those. I need to approve them. It's it's been a week. Yeah. Um. And I'll get those on there, which is a great way to say you're encouraged this year to really use the tabletop events website. Even if you're, you know, hey, Rich and I are going to play this on Sunday morning. It lets us plan tables. And if you want to see what's out there, you can you can browse the events before you even register, all that stuff. And then on Facebook, as we get closer, I'm going to be featuring events that are still looking for players. So I know we have a game of Virgin Queen that's still looking for more players. I think we have one more spot in our Founding Fathers game, which is going to be outstanding. 
you know, just things like that. Of course, we have the last 100 yards tournament, next war uh, tournament scenario, uh, AMAs with Mitch, dinners with the designers, ASL. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So we're going to be featuring that, but go check out the, the schedule and don't be afraid to use your own events. It just helps us plan. So August 17th through August 20th, four days of gaming in Kansas City. Just go to historicfest.com. There's going to be a link in the show notes. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. Donkey I really Kong am too. and Historic Fest are going to be my, my two anchors every year. That's awesome. And hopefully Viking Con. Mm. Yeah, is... absolutely. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for news. That's it for news for me, at least. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the uh, like the gaming company news, GMT and stuff later, but that's it. All right. Sweet. Well, I do have, I have a couple games. I'm going to get the, the one of them out of the way really quick, and that's Mesofauna. This is, have you heard of like Megafauna and Biogenesis from... It seems like I've heard of them, but I can't really place them. I definitely have not played them. They're a series of games tracking kind of the evolution of species on Earth over time. And it's from the same designer that did Greenland, which Mm -hmm. we played at Viking Con. Right. And Mesofauna is the bug, uh, period. Okay. And... I find it super interesting. There was a, another game that Phil Eklund did back in the 90s that they're like reprinting, but they're just doing like a copy version of it, like no new updates or anything. It's here's our 90s version, and it was really pricey. And our buddy Rex told me about Mesofauna. And so uh, I grabbed that. It's got these wonderful little critter meeples called Creeples. <laughs> and we played the very, very, very basic kind of family intro game. And I went, I'm not going back to that. There's no real reason to replay that, but it was nice to get the like basics down. And, and my wife liked it okay. She said, I'll play it if you suggest it, but she'll never pick it. I really liked oh. what, it, what it had to show. How does it compare to uh, Dominant Species? Yeah, that's a good comparison. Okay. Um, well, I've only played Dominant Species Marine. I, yeah. I, should I saw that actually this. Marine was on sale at Miniature Market this week for 50 bucks, and I almost picked it up. That's a good price. Yeah. I... If you like, this is going to sound weird, but if you like action selection, almost worker placement games, Mm -hmm. that's what Marine is. And I think it does it really well. I don't know if you remember, but it was like number seven on my top six list last year. Yeah, I know you enjoyed it. And I've played the original one, just Dominant Species, but I haven't played Marine. So This is a little bit more flexible from what I understand. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Mesofano, you you kind of you compete for areas, but and it's hard to say until we get to the more advanced stuff, but the the first two versions are really about just spreading out as fast as you can and it's just a race to get points. And then there's a whole butterfly variant, which is the whole main game, and you have a bunch of more interaction and in different ways to win. It's just not a race to get uh, victory points. But cool very excited about it it's and it's a great looking game it was not hard to learn at all sometimes those echoing games can be hard to grok yeah cool all right the other one i'm so excited for uh red winter is finally in my possession i think we've talked about it sure it is the game i think it was one of the first games i ever p500 i had a geek list when i got into war games and I don't I don't think you can still find the geek list. I, I think it's hidden or probably whether it's out there or not doesn't matter. But it's on there and well, I got I got tired of waiting. So is it is it did it never hit five hundred? Is that what the holdup is or what happened? It's somewhere in the art department. 
So I'm not sure. But it's sure. been, what, years? I, I'm assuming yeah, it's it been... was the first one you ever P500'd. Well, so when I P500'd the second edition, it was not at 500. Okay. And I want to say around when I started the podcast, it was a little shy, but it's since eclipsed that, eclipsed that, and it's been stuck in that nearing art department readiness. And so uh, Andrew on our Discord server uh, posted his for sale, and I I bought it right away. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm, it's one of the games I wanted to play for the most time. It's it's Finland. Um, it's supposed to be a fantastic operational game that I think they lost some of the charm when they tried to do Operation Dauntless is, is what I've heard. I haven't played either, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of the Discord server, I noticed the, the marketplace has been very active lately, which is, is great. I mean, a lot of people moving games around to other people that are going to play them. So it's good to see. I've picked up some and, I, and I've moved some that way. Yeah, you know, uh, you're, you're a good buddy and acquaintance. I've only had uh, a great dinner with him once, <laughs> or Bruce. I, I yep. know he's taken some advantage of it for sure. Yep, yeah. Awesome. All right, well, that's that's all that's on my shelves. Yeah, uh, I did not pick up anything this month. I was thinking I had, um, but uh, yeah, the, the last war game that I got was from Bruce, and that was Last 100 Yards, <laughs> so. Technically, I did buy something from Miniature Market. I bought another Commander deck so I could play three-player at home, but... Oh, no. This is devastating. Rich and I just lost our call. That has never happened before. All right, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, Midwest Storm's rolling through. In all the years we've done this, we've hit... We forgot... I have forgotten to hit record before, but we've never disconnected like that. No. Very weird and abrupt. We're good to go, though. So the last thing I heard is you had not purchased any war games, but you did pick up uh, commander deck yep yep that was the only thing i picked up so i've got three now so we can play at home with me and my two daughters because they both really like playing it i've been playing i know we're off topic now but i've been playing magic with my youngest one like at coffee shops and stuff we just got two decks that we'll just get out real quick and play but she all three of us are enjoying it so but no i haven't picked up any war games other than that but you did pick up a book about war yeah, so, um, and actually I've kind of picked it up twice because, so, I mean, we've, you and I have both talked about how much we love Dan Jones, um, and this all came from me getting Man, Men of Iron back on the table, so um, I've been wanting to read this one for a while. I started reading The Wars of the Roses by Dan Jones. So good. Yeah, so um, I've, I've read Plantagenets, I've read Templars, um, feels like I've read something else, but I can't think of it right now, but this one picks up right where Plantagenet's left off, basically. And it was funny because I got, uh, I'm listening to it, I got a a few hours into it, and then my wife just kind of looked at me on my phone one day, and she goes, oh, you're listening to the next Dan Jones book. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I wanted to listen to that. So we restarted (laughs) it. (laughs) So we just like, just today, caught back up to where I was. And it's, I mean, it's it's Dan Jones. It's good stuff. It's entertaining. It's interesting. And uh, I think I'm going to keep Men of Iron on the table and sort of, fight through the battles as they come up in the books so good yeah that's the way to do it yeah i did not do every battle in the in order but i did like i started with um oh my gosh what's the first is it agincourt no yeah st albans yeah 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 Yeah. um which is just a bloodbath but i was determined to start there yeah good so a new author to us or at least someone we went talked about and this was someone I hadn't heard of, but I was talking to my aunt about it, and she's like, you don't know who that is? Do you know who Doris Kearns Goodwin is? Absolutely, and I've wanted to read this book for a long time. I've always thought it was interesting, and I'm glad to see you're reading it, because maybe it'll encourage me to get to it. Yeah, it's it's very good. So I'm reading Team of Rivals, the 
Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln. And what it is, it's basically a biography of Lincoln, but while also comparing him to the other nominees for the uh, Republican Party at the time of his election. So Salmon Chase, Edward Bates, Seward, they were all part of the Republican National Convention, yada, yada, yada. It's very good so far. And how it came across my desk is in April, I'll be going to... Uh, there's a there's a big event that the Truman Library puts on each year, and she is speaking there. And the other person speaking there was pretty interest, interesting as well. Sorry, I had some audio issues there. She was the first four-star, female four-star admiral in the Navy. Oh, um, yeah. I can see her, but I can't think of her name right now. Grace Hopper. I can't confirm that because I'm still Googling the event, but... okay. I think it's Grace Hopper. No, Michelle Howard. Oh, okay. So she was okay. the first woman to achieve the rank of four-star admiral and the first woman to be appointed to the position of vice chief of naval operations. So she's being honored. Doris Kearns Goodwin is speaking, and that sounds awesome. So I took the opportunity to dive into one of her books, and there's some stuff on Roosevelt, and, well, she's got several books. I went for the Lincoln book, and it's very good. Cool. It's long. It's very long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out sometime too. It's it's been on my, you know, on my radar for a long time. Yeah, I'll let you know. But I am enjoying it so far. And the other long book I started maybe jumping the gun a little bit with what I thought April's game would be. We'll talk about that later. Uh Wilderness Empire by Alan Eckert. This is one of those books like uh, if you're like me, when you start playing a game, you check BGG for threads about recommended reading for Wilderness War or something like that. And Wilderness Empire is one of those books that came up as recommended reading. It's also very good. It's I see why it's recommended. I'm reading it in paper, which isn't always the easiest thing for me to do. But I've, I haven't had any problems, you know, 10, 15 minutes before I fall asleep at night picking this up, doing some curls with it because it's a big boy too. And it's good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've got one that I've just recently picked back up on paper, too. It's uh, Texian Iliad, which I've talked about before because I started reading it, I think, last year and um, picked up something else. I can't remember why. I think it's because I was reading something related to a game. Um, but I recently picked this one back up. So, yeah, it's, that's, I'll talk more about that next month. Hopefully I'll get more into it. Very good. All right. Well, that's, the, that's kind of the new stuff we're doing. Let's dive into the games, folks. You've had a good month. I did. It it ended up being just a really great month with some great games getting played. And I'm only talking about the war games. We also had like family, uh, f- some friends over for a game night. We're going to start doing that every month. Really looking forward to that with, you know, light euros and things like Ticket to Ride and stuff. But we're not talking about that. We're talking war games, historical games at the Kansas City Historical Game Group. We had a great turnout over 15 people this week, largely supported by Everyone at the Command General Staff College up at Fort Leavenworth, they were demoing some really cool games. But I played War of the Triple Alliance, which I talked about last year. This covers the um, the conflict between Paraguay, uh, Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay. Mm-hmm. It's a very light... I don't want to say it's not card driven game, but at the end of each turn, depending on which cities or, or key spots you take, you draw a certain amount of cards and you're going to pick one to be in effect for the next round. It doesn't drive how many activations you can do or anything like that. It just gives you some kind of bonus effect. 
And combat, I'll start with that, is very straightforward. You line up your troops against each other and you just try to roll below a number. And you just keep going until someone retreats or till, and it's like twos or less a lot of the time. So you're just chucking dice. And what's the time frame on this one again? It's like 1800s, I think. Okay. And it's not a... It's not a topic that is gamed much. I think there's an Against the Odds magazine. Sure. But where... So the combat certainly left a lot to be desired, but we were kind of doing a little post-op after we played, our buddy Zach and I. And where this game shines is the maneuvering and kind of the race aspect. Um, Racing to either... Um, there's a region north of Paraguay that Paraguay wants to knock Brazil out of so they don't have to worry about fighting a two-front war. And the Triple Alliance wants to knock out the capital of Uruguay, so Uruguay joins their side. But Paraguay, on its west and southern border, has two massive rivers, and those are very hard to get against. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of weighing against going to crush that, but also either blocking the Triple Alliance from getting a foothold on the river, or if they already have one, like as a Triple Alliance, you start out really weak. And so I lost all my footholds on the river, and the game, I knocked out Uruguay, no problem. But then it turned into, I have no way of getting across this river. And so it, it's very light. I think it played in maybe three hours, but... And is it a three-player game? Two players only. Okay. Yeah, so one player's playing the Triple Alliance. They start out really weak. Paraguay starts out really strong, and they're just trying to hold on, and they want to tr- they want to speed the game up. They want to churn through their cards, and the Triple Alliance wants to slow it down, and they want to make sure that they can drive into Paraguay. It's, it's good. It's very fun, um, but don't go in expecting, like, a robust combat system. It's not there. It, you're playing this game just to, you know, tackle this interesting problem of, Either surviving as Paraguay, how do you do that, or what's the best strategy for, for the Triple Alliance to have enough time to knock Paraguay out? It's uh, it's nice. really good. Something a couple people told me from uh, one of the one of the guys I went to high school with his son. He was there, and he he had the statistic, and someone from the fort had the statistic that some exorbitant amount of Paraguay's male population died like 60 or 80 percent or or something like that i have no idea what the statistic is but during that time period like most of their male population perished wow yeah they were just they're just stubborn and they they wouldn't they wouldn't give up on that light note so i i played a game also i played men of iron um patrick was actually in town our our secretary patrick was in town for the week so i got to see him a couple times last week or two weeks ago i can't no i think it was just last week but one night he came over and we played some men of iron together so um it's great we talked about it last year in depth when we reviewed it i don't think i've played it since we reviewed it actually so we played a game from blood and roses um can't remember the name of the battle but it was pretty cool it had um fog rules in effect so the you know the the ranged weapons were were basically useless and um, you know, the horses couldn't charge and stuff like that. So it was interesting. We didn't get to play the whole game, but he, he rounded my flank and was starting to, uh, starting to roll me up when it was time for him to head out. So great game. Um, it just reminded me of how good that game is and mm-hmm. it makes me want to play some more. So I actually kept it on my table, reset it and started replaying the battle. And I'm going to play some of the other ones as well as we read through Wars of the Roses. Yeah, Men of Iron is is pretty damn good, and seeing that yeah. and having people talk about it, or when I pull it out or anything like that, it's just yeah, yeah this is this is really good. 
And I guess technically what I played is Blood and Roses from right. the Men of Iron Tri-Pack. So. Good. Well, I played a classic that I never played before. Old Double A. Yeah. Indian Abyss. What'd you think? Uh, well. You're getting back into coin lately. I have. This has really been a coin <laughs> month for me. It was, we we're supposed to have a limited or death game. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened to our Fallen Sky game. I think that has perished. And then. Yeah, I think we made it one turn in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Patrick and I are doing Colonial Twilight. I just need to read the the rules. Yeah. I don't want to go in completely. CT is great now. because it's two player. I mean, sure. that's that's literally like the best thing about that game. And it's not to say that it's not a good game, um, but it's just it moves along so much faster because it's two player. Yeah, our All Bridges. So we'll talk about All Bridges Burning, of course, it's yeah. our featured game. Um, but our play by Discord version of that is like just snapping yeah. along okay. Pr- pretty good. Like every almost everyone's taking a turn a day, which is really great for play by email. Uh, Ending Abyss, though, uh, is ongoing. It's, I like, I, first off, I, I like it. Uh, it's very early on. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm the government and I just feel like I have so much. Like, yeah. You know, like <laughs> I just feel like really, I don't know, hashtag blessed. Like I'm not, I'm not, not stressed for resources or anything that I've got. Someone tried to, Patrick tried to do something or other. And it's like, you can't do that because I outnumber you because I have things everywhere. Yeah. It's very much, uh, I think we're like, seven cards in or something like that so very early on but playing the government obviously reminds me of playing the government in um kuba libre no the what did we play why can't i think of oh, a distant plane yeah like it just has has those similarities yeah. right and so it's good it's it's a classic um i don't know why i had no interest in playing this one before i think maybe in my headspace, it it occupied the same spot as Cuba Libre, which I don't like. But I and Cuba Libre and Indian Abyss are very similar. But I think Cuba Libre, some reason, doesn't connect. And so far, Indian Abyss is. I don't yeah. know. We'll keep diving in. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on coin in general that I've realized this year, but I'm gonna hold them off until we talk about Elbridge's Burning. Great, great. When did you, uh, I see a big one here. When did you do this? Yeah, so Midnight Market canceled our monthly game day this month because um, they had something else going on. And then they were like, you can do it the next week. And then, then they like, emailed us back and said, no, you can't do it that week either. So so we ended up just canceling it. Um, but that gave me the chance to play Twilight Imperium over at a friend's house. So we played a six-player game. And we, and we moved right along. We played in six and a half hours, and I won. So that's good. Uh, not, that's not, that, not that caring, not that I care. But yeah, I mean, we played, we were all, we are all at, I like every player had at least seven points. And we had, I think, three of us at nine when I got the 10th point and one, but yeah, fantastic game. I love that game so much. We did not play with the mechs and the, the expansion. Um, we mm. just played the base TI4 game. But, I mean, that's it's so good. I love it. And every time I play it, I'm like, all right, when can we do this again? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. Very good. I played, talking about classics and great games, uh, Seki Gahara. And I don't need to say much about this, but it was nice to go back to this one live on the table. Um, you know, we featured it and that was great, but I think all of my plays when we did that during that month were online 
and I think we knocked it out in an hour and a half, and that was great. I It came down to, I got really aggressive with my daimyo at the end. I was playing gold, don't remember their names, but I kind of had to, and then I just, I should have bid for turn order at the end to kind of slip him out of there and not get him captured, but he died <laughs> on the very last kind of movement, yeah. and it was great. Sekigahara rocks, and it looks gorgeous on the table. We actually had two games of Sekigahara going at uh, the game day, which was yeah. cool. My daughter was just asking me about that game because we didn't. She's been home for spring break this week, and we didn't didn't end up actually even getting to play anything. But one thing she was telling me, she's like, "What was that block game in Japan that we played that I like so much?" And I told her, "It's like, oh, it's Sekigahara." She goes, "We need to play that again." So, yeah, it it felt good to to pull it out. I, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what she said. Uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> okay, I know that you are picky on your standard combat series and there's some that are better than others mm-hmm. i think i am in the process of playing one of the better ones i really like it so far cool we have a new youtube series coffee and conflicts you can join me on most friday mornings at 9 30 central depending on the nap schedule and i sit down and it's no bells Yours and whistles or your daughter's <laughs> exact both uh both nap schedules i just sit down i put a camera at a map i plug a mic in and i just sit there and chat and just talk through it i'm i found that i really enjoy solo plays a lot more that way even if no one's in there right i'm just talking through the steps and so i'm doing that with iron curtain and i've kind of fast forwarded through the build-up if you're not familiar instead of just diving into the game iron curtain has this build-up phase which all the units start in their quote-unquote historical spot so is I this say like that, the post-world war ii one yeah okay. and the, the reason why i say quote-unquote is because you can do exactly after um fall of germany in 1945 but mm-hmm. then you can also play 63 75 okay. 82 89 with nato forces versus warsaw pact and the force composition obviously changes as technology changes the 45 scenario is going to be closest to your standard combat series game and then carl's done some really cool stuff with the series but this whole build-up phase is almost like a free setup so before the game starts you move units as much as you want and you just keep going until you roll a one and you can remove units and as soon as you roll one it goes to the other player and they do it and then when they roll a one then tensions increase so there's a chance it could end early but you almost all right everyone starts and then get your setup. You can't cross the Iron Curtain anywhere, and you can't, um, depending on the scenario, like if you do 45, you can't cross international boundaries. After 45, like NATO countries can, but you Zox aren't there, you can't engage in combat. And so I did that on the first stream. I am playing the rest of the build-up now, so next time we do the stream, it's not just more build-up because it's just movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I've talked about it on the four. I really like free setup games and the scratch is that exact same itch yeah because it's all right i'm gonna do a little bit of movement initial movement oh i'm done and then you get to respond or at least you hope you get to respond because what if you roll a one right away and so you're kind of countering your opponent's opening moves but there is this kind of back and forth like when or when is this thing gonna go hot it's it's kind of cool yeah it's funny i've got that one in my cell pile um and i've got a, a big cell pile here but I was just talking to my wife about that. She's like, oh, what are these? I said, those ones I'm looking to sell. And she's looking at a couple of them. And she goes, yeah, what about that one, that one? And I'm like, yeah, they're still mine, though. If I don't sell them, I can get them out and play them. So <laughs> Iron right. Curtain might be one of those. Here's the 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 counter sheets are organized very well. That's good. I have no idea how I'm going to organize this 
after. Yeah, that's kind of how Men of Iron is too. Because I was when when we reviewed it last year, I think I played that one. I got all of the rule books and player aids out and everything, but I didn't punch anything. So this is the first time I've I've played my copy on the table, and I started getting it out to punch it because Patrick was coming over. I'm like, oh gosh, this is a pain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was easy to punch, but it's like there's a night and all the 1945 units are organized one way. All the units that only appear in 1962 have another indication, but a unit you use in 75, I think it is. I don't remember the exact years, maybe 73, may be used again in 89, may not, may just be a little bit different in 89, might have different combat. So the same unit may show up four different times and I don't know how to organize that. So. Well, I mean, we're seeing that in the Ukraine war right now, where Russia's getting tanks out that should have were retired many years ago. So you run out, you use what you got. That's so. That's Iron Curtain. Uh, swing by next Friday if you want to see some more of that in action. I'm a so noob. Did you say to, that's on Twitch or on YouTube? I do that on YouTube. Okay. Fridays, nine thirty Central AM. Again, very low key. Just chill, hang out, chat, play games. Um, I'm new to SCS, and I don't expect every SCS game to be quite this good. I think it's cool that they took it in some new directions. I mean, how long has SCS been around? And so you take this basic, basic combat system that can be a lot of fun and then throw in some new bells and whistles, like there's an air superiority phase and all this stuff. Like, it, it really ramps up SCS, but not not to, like, whole new levels of complexity. Nice. All right. You got anything else you played? Nope, that's it. Like I said, it was a pretty light month, but I've got a I've got a con this month, so I'm looking forward to playing more. Well, Rich, you're not done playing games yeah, this month. We have the game. The game of games. Alright, folks, it's the war game game time. Rich is our contestant, but you, you lucky sons of guns, can compete at home and just self report your score and we'll check it and yep. give you a big star. Feel free to tell me how badly you beat me. Here's how it works. Uh, Rich gets a free guess. If he gets the game right away, he gets 10 points. I give him another clue. If he gets it after that clue, it's nine, and so on down the line until we start rhyming and really help, try to help All right. uh, Rich out. We ready? Are you ready, sir? I am. First guess. Fortress Europa. No. All right. <laughs> I like the, the balls there, but <laughs> you just sounded so confident. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to get it. This game was released in 2019. Ah, uh, 2019. It's a new one then. Of course, that's like four years ago. That's not that new. Uh, what came out right before COVID? Brazen Chariots. No. No? All right. G- good guess. This game features art from Jordan Worley and Nicholas Escooby. Nicholas Escooby think he does mmp stuff so let's say uh let's go with a like a gcacw game what's the uh what's the chattanooga one it's called uh like cloud clouds on the mountain or uh, what's that called i can't think of battle above the clouds. battle above the clouds yeah that's the name that's not the game okay this game was published by multi-man publishing <laughs> All right, so I'm getting better. At least I can guess the clues now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, three Days of Gettysburg. No, that's a GMT game. 
Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I was trying to think of, uh, yeah, I was, I was stuck on civil war at that point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now I'm getting worse again. <laughs> <laughs> this game utilizes a chip pull system. Okay. MMP chip pull. A victory lost. No. All right. This game is tactical scale. Tactical chip pull. MMP. Um, line of, one of the line of battle games. What's uh, to take Washington? No, I wish line of battle was chip pull. Oh, it's not. Okay, I haven't played. This I yet. wish it was. I think it would help. Uh, this game was designed by Joe Sha- Joe <laughs> Joe Chaken. Uh, what has he done? He's got a new game coming out from GMT. Yeah, I recognize the name, but I can't think of what series. So I'm just gonna make a random guess. MMP tactical chip pull games. Man, I'm stuck. Give me another one. I might start rhyming, buddy. Well, well, I think you're at six so far. We're getting there. This game is set in Vietnam. Oh, okay, Vietnam. See, I haven't played Front Toward Enemy, so I'm not sure if it's chip pull. Is it Front Toward Enemy? It is Front Toward Enemy. There we go. All I right. I thought I'd throw you a little curveball. Yeah. Tonight. All right. Knowing you hadn't played it. Yeah, Front Toward Enemy 2019 release and a game that is just in my head and it's stuck there. Yeah, I... and it keeps going on sale and I keep thinking about buying it. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it's... I don't remember how many scenarios are in the box anymore. Yeah. But I think there's like eight maybe. Yeah. Anyways, doesn't matter. If you can get this for 30 or 40 bucks, I'm telling you folks, yeah. this is one of the best tactical games I've ever played. If Miniature Market sold MMP, I probably would have mm. bought it by now. Sure. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. I, I really want to play it again. Get me. It keeps going on sale. I so want to play this face to face, not over Vassal. And as soon as I fly in with my helicopters, I want like fortunate son to just <laughs> blast through the house. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could do that when I solo, but the game actually solos like shit. Don't don't mess with yeah. solo in this one. One player playing fortunate son, the other one playing uh, Flight of the Valkyries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so sweet. All right, well, nicely done, Rich. I think that was seven clues. I'll take it. <laughs> Very good. All right. It's time. What time Feature is game it? time. The game. So there is one other game that we both played this month that we haven't talked about yet. That's right. And before before we... I just want to mark this moment. We've done this for... I think I started in 19. I don't remember anymore. I have yet to discuss... Well, hold on. That's wrong. I've discussed coin plenty of times. We've never ranked a coin game. This is a big moment. This is our first coin game going that's, on the list. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um, I think playing a distant plane a couple months ago kind of got you back into the mood for it. It really did. That was a very enjoyable experience, and also just being able to spitball and talk about coin and like help identify what do I like in a coin game, what do I want out of a coin game, and that's we'll get to that. But yeah, it it did awaken something, and so I'm kind of going back and retouching all of them with a new mindset, but. This month, we featured All Bridges Burning, Red Revolt, and White Garden Finland 1917-1918 GMT games, released in 2020, designed by VPJ Arpanen. So, this already gets bonus points because it's set in Finland. That's, we also need to address sure. that fact yep. as to why this game yeah. is on this list. Yeah. Yeah, if they ever do like a coin game of the 1956 Hungarian Revolution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
ritual order 500 copies yeah. to speed that thing through. Okay, so let's set the setting, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on post-World War One Finland. VPJ was very kind to send me some articles. There are some books out there that are very hard to track down, even the English ones. It's just the Finnish Civil War is not widely written about but the stuff is out there if you want to and the playbook contains great historical background and the premise is after world war one finland starts to become its own country and there's outside influences from germany and from russia and basically once russia leaves this power vacuum is created and then you have opposing political forces trying to compete for control of finland now what's interesting is historically my understanding is it's really a fight between the reds and the whites so on the reds you have the working class obviously with the with the communist influence i'm sure and then the bourgeoisie or the whites they control the senate the upper class the old power um the old richie rich and they really fight for it and so this game is set in that time period but it introduces a third faction because although ultimately the whites end up winning vpg vpj makes an interesting case that it's really the moderates who secure who do this because who win because it secures a just a political survival for Finland as its own own nation. So in All Bridges Burning, there are three factions present: the moderates, who are made up of both reds and whites, and really just want Finland to succeed as its own. And then you have the reds, and then you have the whites, and then you also have outside forces present in the form of uh, Russians, mm-hmm. and then Germany as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I picked up this game. I was I P five hundred of this one, so I got it when it first came out, and I actually got it at a time when my interest in coin in general was waning. But the mm-hmm. thing that caught me about this one was that it is a three player game, and unless there's a newer one that I'm not thinking of, this is the only three player coin game. So obviously you can play four player games with a bot, but this is the only game that's made for three players, and and um, it's. It does model exactly what you said really well. You've got the uh, you've got the Reds that ally with the Russians, but the Russians aren't going to stick around forever. You've got the the Whites that ally with the Germans, and the Germans are a killing machine. And then you've got the Blues that just want everybody to calm down. <laughs> and uh, and I find that I've played this game. This one is actually one that I've played on the table multiple times, um, and I find that most of the time I play this game, the reds and the whites go hard at each other, and the blues mm-hmm. just kind of slip into the victory without anybody really paying attention to them. Yeah, it's... it's. I don't... Well, I think I'll get to the the moderates later, um, but what, I, what I'll also add is there's... Not only is it a three-player coin game, it's also a coin game that has two kind of distinct periods where you oh, have yeah. this build-up. I didn't up. think about that. You're right. And it, it's pretty important because it, it captures the whole time period, like pre-Civil War and then once there's open conflict. And so you about half your actions um, for the Reds in the Senate are off the table 
until um, the second propaganda card comes through, or mm-hmm. if there's enough if there's enough cells on the map, it can trigger early. And then you also with those outside forces with the Russians and the Germans, it's an interesting balance of you want the help from the Germans, but you also want to get off the German teat, right? And so, you know, like historically, they probably don't want to become a you know vassalage of Germany or fall back into Russian control. I mean, they don't know what their future holds, obviously. But so you're balancing that in the game and you're also kind of playing through these very two distinct periods where you eventually shift into outright, you know, like march and attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And during that preparation period, you are definitely making war preparations. It's not Mm -hmm. like you're doing actions that don't have to do with the war. You know, you're 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 building railroad tracks and, and gathering arms and things like that. And you know, building defensive structures that are going to allow you to do better for the war that you know is coming. Yeah. And so it's even, there's even an action called preparation, right? And so the, with this three player, this three headed giant kind of thing going on, it's really interesting where if you, if you're not familiar with coin, most titles, when you flip over a card, it tells you that the order of activation and generally the the first faction will act and then the second one and you can pass, but that'll be it usually. Two factions will act and then the other two factions just kind of wait until the next card comes up and you, and you kind of cycle through. In All Bridges Burning, all three factions can act and... In other coin games, typically you can take a full command. I'm going to do the rally action. And if I if I place my my disc on this spot, it's going to also let me do these special actions, which, which can range all over the place, right? You get more money, um, influence, attack, do airstrikes. It all depends on what game you're playing. Um, what's interesting here is... That particular action in All Bridges Burning is the only action that makes you go inactive. So in other coins, you take an action, you go inactive, you're kind of sitting out a card. Here, just because you take a limited op or you take an event, actually if you do limited op or event, you're not inactive on the next card. So you are continuously, every card, taking actions as long as you're not passing or as long as you're not doing the full ops. So you really want to be choosy with your full ops. It's sometimes you really don't want to go inactive for a whole card when your two opponents are going every turn. Right. And the order of the next turn is based on how big of an action you took. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can you can take smaller actions to try to increase your chance of going earlier on the next card. Other, I don't know... I don't want to do a disservice to our listeners and I don't want to assume like coin has been a part of historical gaming now for, you know, so many years that it's 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 in our blood, but I don't I don't want to have a listener come in and be like what the hell is coin? And so generally <laughs> yeah. what the factions are trying to do are control spaces. So coin spaces. stands for counterinsurgency. Yeah, very good. I yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And and the first four or five games in the series really focus on counterinsurgency. Yeah. And generally, you're trying to move into a location and take control by outnumbering your opponents. You influence opposition and support by maybe that's something related with the press or you know, pick an action from a game that, you know, increases opposition. Um, you will strike back against guerrilla forces or you might place forts or casinos or, or these different things that are going to kind of enhance your actions in those spots. And so it's it's an area 
sometimes it's an area majority game, but it's also an area influence game, depending on which lens you're looking at the game from. Yep. And you're trying to either bring up a rebellion and increase the opposition all across the map, or you're trying to crush that opposition. Yeah. Combat is typically very simple. I mean, some games are a little more complicated than others, but for the most part, it's it's strictly just a matter of numbers. You know, you're, I'm going to do one hit for every two of my guys or, or whatever. So um, combat is, it's an important part of the game for removing your opponent's pieces from the map, but it's a, it's it's not the most important part of the game, usually. You're so doing, you... doing combat in order to gain control of a space, usually. I know that you have played way more coin than me. Is there any thing or any identifying factor of the series? You know, like what is a coin game um, that that you feel like I'm missing out? Yeah, I think the most like if the most important thing when I think of a coin game is going to be the cards and the activations, and mm-hmm. most coin games are four player games and they've got a specific way that the activation works. Um, as far as I can think of right now, the only two that are not four player are colonial twilight, which is two player and all bridges burning, which is three player. And in both of those games, they had to actually sort of redesign their, their activation chart. And in both of them, I think they did a great job. I think that that's what makes those games unique and interesting, but that's, yeah, that's the most interesting thing. All coin games are going to be, they're going to be a little bit of asymmetrical, um, Very. some more than others, but um, different. Every faction is going to have a slightly different list of things that they can do, um, although there's going to be a lot of overlaps. And then uh, every coin game, to some degree or another, is going to have basically your, your basic actions and then your special actions that you can do in certain circumstances on top of your basic actions, but it usually costs you in some way. It costs you more activation points it's which is not really an accurate way to do it but the more you spend on this activation the less likely you're going to be able to do something later yeah and every you know playing into that asymmetric nature of the game which every faction is different every faction has their own victory conditions right and so to, to bring it back to all bridges burning which is you know twists this activation system you're still doing events you're still doing limited commands which means one action in one spot or you're doing these full-blown commands which i've already talked about um you're all doing that to obviously further your victory uh conditions and so in all bridges burning the reds want opposition to be as high as possible um, so they don't necessarily need to control a spot. They just want opposition in populated areas. And they also need to make sure that their reliance on the Russians is not uh, above five is what the number is. Yeah. But basically they're, they're, you know, getting out there and, you know, maybe they're terrorizing. Maybe they're not. You can a lot of games you can do some kind of terror action uh, to build opposition or, or increase support. But they're out there changing, influencing the regions, and that's how they win. Yeah. One other thing that's interesting, and I think it's unique to this game, at the end of the game, when you get to the final tiebreaker, everyone can lose. Either Mm -hmm. Russia or Germany can win. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which I think this is the only coin game that can have everyone lose. And that's in that that Russian team, which is Russian vassalage. And so 
there's there's also this polarization track so as you do things that harm another faction and the moderates are always trying to keep polarization down generally i shouldn't say always um and so specifically reds need opposition plus their admins which are their big wooden discs above 12 and then the russian vassalage plus the polarization in the country less than or equal to five so they want to not rely on russia and they want there to not be so much strife in the country uh senate is similar they care about german vassalage and and polarization being low but they want to control um at least four town population so the biggest town is helsinki that's two population so that's all they strive there it, it's it's a it can be hard to do uh, but they want to control the major uh, population centers and the moderates want resources and they want to resolve different issues in the game which can be things like land reforms eight hour workdays, those type of things and then like rich said russia or germany can win if the your victory margin is not positive and so you subtract that the polarization and the vassalage and it's real tempting as the senate forces to have high german vassalage because the germans just run across the map and kill everyone I mean, unless you roll a six in combat, they're probably going to win and kill some people. But they're a force as long as your you know your reliance on them is high. So that's that's kind of what each faction is, is striving for. Um, the moderates have some weird things where they like place personalities and they pick up news counters and they run around the map and, and mm-hmm. cash those in. I'm not wild about playing the moderates. I really like both the reds and in the uh, senate. Yeah, the reds and the whites both have a more traditional war game feel to them because they're going to be involved in combat. Blues are never going to be involved in combat unless they're just getting killed. <laughs> so you just brought up a really good point. Um, and I want to say right here off the, off the bat, like I like this game a lot. This does not feel like, and this kind of stems from our conversation up at the lake. This does not feel like counterinsurgency to me. No, it doesn't. And that's fine. That's not a bad thing. But obviously this is a game that, and I think when you read VPJ's design notes, I think he even talks to about this to a certain extent. Like Coin came along and I think it gave him the answer of how to do this game. Um, and so obviously this is a game rooted in Coin, but it's in Coin the series, but it's not a game rooted in counterinsurgency. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm, I, I do remember when this game came out, that was a, a big complaint about it is this is, it's not a counterinsurgency game, but it's, it does follow the coin system and it's still a game for what it is, you know? If you're playing the reds or whites, I think it's has a, especially once you get into phase two, obviously um, it has a very strong a war game feel because yeah. you're going to be trying to hold on to the things you've set up and then you're going to try to do everything you can to counter the other person and that at that point in the game that might be marching and attacking mm-hmm. yeah yeah and there will be a lot of combat particularly between the reds and the whites usually sometimes the reds and the whites will kind of punch the blues just to keep them down but mostly it's going to be the reds and the whites going against each other this is a this is a smaller um, coin game, just in terms of like table presence, and especially in where things get focused. So maybe it's I I I'm guessing maybe it's around the size of Cuba Libre, maybe a little bit bigger, but you're really kind of focused in the town centers. Not to say you might 
have some action going on in Hame or, or something like that. Because that's um, where the people are. That's where, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and all the influence is based on population, so there's not really a need to go fight for woods where there's no people. <laughs> right, right. Now, the Russians can build opposition out in the woods and yeah. stuff, but um, so you do, really do kind of focus in... in for the five cities i in all my games not much i guess i shouldn't say not much but way more things happen in the four southern cities than vasa which is up in the northwest it doesn't feel like the map isn't too claustrophobic to me i think there's a lot of like you can kind of do your thing but then you know interact with with who you're trying to oppose um you know as a three-player game it's important to you know not have two factions want to team up too much because that would feel really bad and there's no like the moderates aren't necessarily encouraged to work with the Senate, you know, at certain points in the game, like when the Germans come on, it might be like, Oh shit, we really need to do something about the Senate uh, because their German buddies are running around the whole country. Um, are those the, the three cubes that you put in the political display? Cause no, that's where what, the moderates can help one faction. Yeah. Over the other. Yeah. So they're, and they can decrease opposition and they can also rally maybe easier than the other two um it just depends on the board state but they could like rally in to remove control and stuff but yeah they have they have a choice to make when they place cubes in the political display and a a issue passes if there's a tie they assign who it goes to they're also in charge of placing the cubes so they could dump three red cubes in there over the course of a you know uh, a propaganda card and they're basically saying like this is a red issue and that means it's going to help the reds and make things more costly uh for the senate but yeah. then the next time around, they might be like, all right, we, we punished the Senate. Now the Reds are kind of building up. Let's let's pass something in favor of the Whites. Yeah. So one issue that I've always had with this game, it's just it's been confusing for me. So this is volume 10, I think, of the coin series. And so there's a, a long line leading up to this. But this, I think, is the first game and maybe the only game where being active actually helps you. Yes. So in all the other games, if if a if a, a cylinder is inactive, you have to activate it first. So what this amounts to is that outside of some special abilities and cards, it usually takes two turns to take a cylinder off the board. You have to mm-hmm. activate it and then kill it. Um, so it's always been a negative to be active in the coin series. And then in this one, for the first time ever, it's been a positive to be active. And that confused the hell out of me when I first got this yep. game and was trying to figure it out. So that w- that's always been something that's kind of annoyed me about this game because I can't really figure out why he didn't just swap his rule to make it match the rest of the series. Well, I'll have to ask him because we're doing an interview with him okay. on the 27th, uh, I believe is when we set that date. But I think that's interesting too. And he even reached out and commented that... Um, you know, it's a bit of a shock to experienced coin players that you may not always want to be on the sides you used to being on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah. So I said earlier, I want I had some thoughts on coin in general and I, uh, when I first got following sky, it was my, it was when I first actually started getting back into war gaming other than the games that I played when I was a kid. And I loved it. I still love playing it. Um, I played it a lot. I played it a decent amount of times in person. And that's kind of when I found Vassal. So Falling Sky was probably my first ever Vassal game. I found people to play with online. We played a lot of play by email. And Coin 
itself lends itself well to play by email because the actions are all very discreet. There's not a whole lot of things that another player can do on my turn, but the turns are short. So it's not like I'm, it's not like OCS where I'm locking you out or anything like that. But um, for the most part, I, I play a quick turn and then I know who's next and I pass it on to the next person. That game lends itself well to play by email. But I found that over the course of playing a lot of coin games, play by email, I'm really losing interest in that format. And I think that when I started losing interest in coin in general, um, it was around the time Gandhi came out. That was like the first coin game that I bought and played and thought immediately, this just isn't, this isn't for me. It's not that good. And then this one came out after that and I got it mostly because it was three player. I played it on the table like the day after I got it. I had friends over and we played it and we all enjoyed it. But more and more when I play these coin games, and really it's not just coin games, it's a lot of games, but playing by email takes off so much of the fun of playing the game because coin games are negotiation political games especially with multiplayer and you know multi-directional alliances so when we played a distant plane in person it was so much better than if Mm. we had tried to play that by email and i've had so many coin games die on the vine through email and i think it's just because people lose interest without having that face-to-face interaction yeah i I think that's well said, and I I agree with you. I've been a long proponent of I'm not a play-by-email person. I've never liked it. Mm-hmm. But I I what I did this last month is try to use Discord to try to enhance it. And our All Bridges Burning game has been snappy. It's had conversations, not a ton. It's had gifts, and it's it's been as closer to being face to face than playing by email. Yeah. Now, as a counterpoint, other games haven't been there. And so, and obviously I'm enjoying the All Bridges Burning game more because everyone's more engaged. And I think I agree with you. I think, and that's not necessarily a comment on coin. It's just more of a comment on playing play by email. Yeah. But everyone does seem to want to play coin by play by email because it's easy to do. Yep. Um, it doesn't take you all night to do your, your turn by yourself without interacting with people. And even, even on the first propaganda for All Bridges Burning, Patrick and I just popped on and shot the shit and went through the propaganda just to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was great. And I agree with you. These, co- these games shine with player interaction. And some of my early coin plays were new historical gamers, myself included, and just kind of going through the motions – and that's not too different than playing by email because then you're not you're not negotiating you're not identifying that so and so is running away with game let's let's react to what they're doing it's i'm going to do this cuz that's like the only thing i can do and there's not much interaction so i don't know if that's i mean i don't really think that's a a coin issue per se but it does seem to happen with coin yeah you know? i mean if anything i would say it's not necessarily a coin issue it's just that for some reason coin comes up as a game that plays well over email mm-hmm. and the mechanics do but coin is like most games it's just so much better in person and obviously we're also coming off a time for, you know, for the last three years we haven't been able to play games in person so we've been playing more by email and maybe it's just a reaction to me wanting to play more games in person in general 
Yeah, I, well, I, I agree with you. I do, you know, if we're, if we're on this broad topic of coin, not every coin does it for me. I think coins yeah. are very good when they are counterinsurgency. When I think it's okay to shift up the standards, right? I've said I like all bridges burning a lot. It very much shakes up what coin is. And maybe it's because it's, it feels different enough than... I'll say Andy and Abyss, but you know, Fire in the Lake is is what I've played the most, um, and Liberty or Death. Those are the two I've played the most out of coin. Yeah, I've called. Whereas coin. Liberty or Death, Liberty or Death has a lot more. It it breaks. It, it doesn't break. It changes coin, but it changes it in ways I don't enjoy. And then I there's there's a whole laundry list of stuff. And I wanted to revisit Liberty or Death to try to. Am I wrong? But I think it breaks some things and maybe it tries to stay too close to Andy and Abyss or Cuba Libre or in any of the games that predated it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if I can articulate why some coins work for me and why some don't, but it's, it's not a, it's never been, and it's not a series that is a blind buy for me, but playing these games and having such a good reaction to Aldridge's Burning certainly has rekindled an interest in this series for me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I've got my my coin collection down to five games now. Um, if I were going to add another one, I would add a Distant Plane because I don't own that one, and that's definitely a worthy game. But those five, so I've got Colonial Twilight, the only two-player, Aldridge's Burning, the only three-player, and then I've got Falling Sky, Liberty or Death, and there's one other one I can't think of it offhand. But, I mean, those are, oh, Fire in the Lake, obviously. Um, I mean, those are, to me, that's that's everything I need out of coin. And honestly, when I see new coin games coming out, I barely look at them anymore. But I still enjoy the games I have. And anytime anyone wants to play one of those on the table, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's what's interesting. Like we're, you know, there is so much discussion about coin and I I don't know if criticism is the right word, but it is a polarizing topic, but man, it gets a ton of play because yeah, maybe you don't like it, but it plays four people and it plays four people really well and mm-hmm. some of them are super interesting yeah. topics, excuse me. And the system is close enough that even though every game is a little different, if you know the coin system, you can sit down and play. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I agree. I do want to address the two-player thing because this is important for All Bridges Burning. I'm going to give this another go. I think my preferred way to play this is two-player with the two-player variants. Not a bot. Interesting. Okay. Not the cards. I know it comes with the cards. Not um, The two-player variant, which we streamed on Twitch and the replays are available on YouTube, uh, changes how the moderates are played and it changes some of their commands so they're slightly different it's, it's the basic same commands are just changed to balance things out um, but control of the moderates passes back and forth so oh, cool. the reds player will control them then the senate will control them the interesting thing is you cannot just willy-nilly bend them to your will because if the moderates do too well that's that's subtracted from your victory margin Mm -hmm. and so you either better win by auto victory 
which is harder to do because you're factoring in the the kind of moderate new scoring or you better like not just abuse them uh, because as Patrick and I found out even if I had done my final command the right way to get one victory point we used the moderates and abused them so much that we were both negative in in Germany one uh it makes it's very good that way there's some things that would change going into a propaganda round having control of the moderates on your side is maybe a little too strong because then you control them for political issues you also control them for agitation Mm -hmm. um I would maybe make that random or like set whoever gets it first then the next person gets it second and third and then the first person gets it on the fourth yada yada it might be my preferred way to play unless i'm playing with like someone who really wants to play the moderates because i i mean i'm having a fine time with the moderates but i like the reds and whites a lot more cool Uh, yeah i've never played this one two player i've always played it with three or solitaire so yeah i I play solitaire eh, sometimes i look at the bots but usually i just play three-handed yeah yeah and that's what i did when i when i was playing solitaire on the table um i did three-handed which i i i liked it i liked it a lot three-handed yeah but that two-player variant which i think was released last fall uh i think it was sometime last year uh it's available on gmt's website and i haven't played colonial twilight but like i have this and i'm gearing up to play colonial twilight cool um i like ct like i said it's it's one of my five that i definitely want to keep so so if like if you want a two-player coin game and you like all bridges burning the two-player variant to me is almost better okay than the three-player game again unless you have someone that's like really wanting to play the moderates and is is going to play them yeah well although they have to be balanced somewhat yeah. but I'll, I'll keep that in mind because yeah it's obviously always easier to find one person than two and yeah, I'll, t- I'll t- check out that two-player variant. And plus, you know, it sings. I think Patrick and I played an hour and a half each night, mm-hmm. and we're finished. So, you know, a three-hour coin game yeah, with lots of moaning and groaning because, <laughs> oh, I want to do this, I want to do this, and, you know, lots of curses, but great yeah. curses. Cool. Okay. Anything else that yeah, you want to add? The only other thing I wanted to talk about was themes. So, um, obviously, you are super interested in the finland theme um yeah i'm not particularly interested in it i mean it's not a theme that turns me off but it's not one that i'm drawn to either so um how much like how much of a bonus did you give how much you like this game on theme rather than the game itself yeah that's a good question it's it's probably picking up some points just for being finland Mm -hmm. but that's being supported by the fact that the situation is interesting with these outside influences and you know the reds yeah they're tied to russia but they don't want to be tied to russia and no one wants to be under german control either so i think the historical situation is doing more lifting than it just being finland but you know that's valid of a lot of coin games though right like fire in the lake is brilliant but it's also getting boosted up because it's vietnam Mm -hmm. um a distant plane what a tough especially at the time when it came out like that's got to be a hard topic to to cover and decide i'm going to put a game out on and but it's also interesting because there's not much else on that topic 
Um, you know, you talk about not paying too much attention to the new coin releases. I I do generally like Latin American history quite a bit. And when I got my degree, I a lot of my undergrad courses were in focused on Latin American history. And so the new one is really interesting, more so than British way, even though they're both four packs of small games because of the topic. So when someone asks me, which coin should I play? I never point them to Cuba Libre because I don't like Cuba Libre and a lot of people do because, oh, it's the beginner one. No, yeah. the best coin game, generally speaking, is going to be the one that interests you the most historically. I'm not going to suggest you suffer through a game if you're like, I could care two shits about Finland. I'm not going to have you sit through All Bridges Burning if you don't care. Yeah, Same thing with Cuba Libre. And honestly, anytime anyone asks me about any war game... Hey, yeah. what war, I'm new to wargaming, but it sounds fun. What should I what should I pick up? The first thing I said, well, uh, two questions. What kind of scale do you want? Which I have to right. you know explain to them what that even means. But then, what historical pe- period are you interested in? Yeah, and I think just with like the flavor text and like seeing the cards, you know, it comes through in coin. It's not like it's like whoa, I'm sure, living in yeah. 1917 Finland, but you know the flavor's there. And it is, yeah, because like my wife, you know, I I'm a She's she's as big a history nut as I am, but in a different way. But like if I play a coin game with her, it takes three times as long because she reads every single card. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> she's like, oh, did you know about this? And that's fascinating. And <laughs> yeah. So to be fair, yeah, the topic helps here. Um, but the topic really drove interest. And then, you know, having an interest game that's going to increase your enjoyment if you if you want to be playing that game. Um, so I think it just helped initially and then was just supported by the fact that it's a very good game. Cool. All right, folks, we have a list, a list ranking every war game ever made from worst or from best to worst. From the Pacific War to Zeppelin Raider. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, did, did whoa. I, did I get something wrong there? Rich, I know it's been a <laughs> while, but come on now. Uh, Rich, how many games will we rank so far? Oh, 66. Wow. Yep. How many more games do we have to go? Well, we got a choice. We can either do 66 more, or we can play every game that either of us owns. Not going to happen. Although we're about <laughs> to go up to 67. And here's how it works, folks. We have we have this list, and we're going to find a spot. Well, we're not going to find a spot. We are this, the it sculptors. Knows. It, this game yep. knows where it lives. We're just trying to find its address. We're going to blindfold each other, we're going to crank up the clay wheel, and we're going to put our hands out there, and the list will take on a new shape, and it will take on the shape of a bridge that's all the bridges that are burning. Okay. I have some ideas. Um, I also see some errors in our list. Oh, yeah. That happens from time to time. That's not our fault, though. I think think the list rearranges itself. Men of Iron is too low. Yeah, yeah. The that. more I play that, that's true. I just played Sekigahara. I think we're I both think this... looking at the, the same area of the list, though. All right, where where are you starting? Because I could. So I'm actually starting at uh, a floor, if we want to call it like that. Like games sure. that are definitely worse than this one. So, okay. um, Konigsberg 45. That's that's definitely worse than this one. Captains with C is not as good as this one. And then you've got a couple of solo games. Cap uh, Pavlov's House, NATO Air Commander, which I like. But I think this is, I think we're getting close there, but I think it's still going to be above NATO Air Commander. So 
that okay, puts I'm us gonna... into like Labyrinth and Washington's Crossing, and now it feels like maybe we're in the right area. I'm going to jump you up a little bit. Okay. I figured you would, and and this is kind of where I was going with the theme thing too, which is not, I mean, that's not something to argue about, but it's just a fact that you're going to give it points for being a Finland game, just like I would give it points for being a Hungarian game. That's just the way it works. Yeah, right. Brotherhood and Unity is a three-player game. Yes. I like this more than Brotherhood and Unity. Hmm, I think the decision points are... I like Brotherhood and Unity uh, better. They're actually pretty equal. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's really hard to take the two-player game out of my head. I think the two-player game is... One, from what I have played of coin, if we're going to talk about games that take coin as a route and change it up somehow, from what I have played so far, this does it best. I'm not saying it's the best coin, but it is the best to emerge after those first four or five coin games, in my opinion so far. Brotherhood and Unity. I had more fun playing Brotherhood and Unity than I did All Bridges Burning. Oh, um I think that, well, and part of it is, so Brotherhood Unity is definitely closer to a war game. You know, you got counters instead of cylinders and discs. Um, Part of it is theme. I'm more interested in the Bosnian War than I am in the Finnish Civil War. Um, Part of it, I really liked the Brotherhood and Unity, um, the, the public relations track. I thought yeah. that that was a really cool way to limit actions. But coin also has its own way of limited actions. That's how we, we talked about the, the action selection. So they both they both do the same thing mechanically, but in a different way. So they're, you know, you see what I mean? Yeah. They, both, I, they have a mechanic to limit what you can do. At first glance, this was an easy call for me. I don't know if it's easy, easy now. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, uh, just as a check, a couple spots above is Men of Iron. Mm-hmm. I like Men of Iron better. Okay, and that's kind of where I was thinking too. Yeah, I mean, I the more I look at this, I would, I would put this between Brotherhood and Unity and Reds. That's where I like it. If you oh, went I like above this one than Reds, if you went above Brotherhood and Unity, I'm not going to throw a fit or anything because, like I said, theme does matter. But that's where I would put it. Well, this is probably the most we've disagreed on a game. Yeah, and honestly, I think it's I think it's theme. I mean, it's and that's okay. It's Finland. It is, but I'm telling you, that's not that's carrying initial interest. Okay, you know, I I mean, really, it is like the Finland thing is is tongue in cheek, right? Like the Second World War, Hakapali got no favor for being that a Finland true. game. If anything, it gets <laughs> less points because of the you? bastardization. <laughs> yeah. Um, calling itself a Finland game. Uh, look, I'm not going to argue for it either um, above Brotherhood and Unity. Brotherhood and Unity, you're right, it does have some cool mechanics. The other day I was like thinking about like, what makes Brotherhood and Unity so great? I was actually like in my headspace. Um, but there are more things than just yeah. kind of basic combat. So actually, and here's one thing that I would actually give the the lean to All Bridges Burning over Brotherhood and Unity. Brotherhood and Unity... Every faction has the same deck that you're going to go through every time you play it. That's right. Um, All Bridges Burning, you have a shared deck, which the events are going to be vastly different each game. I think if you played Brotherhood Unity 10 times and you played ABB 10 times, 
ABB would be much more different the 10th time. I agree. And ABB got way more play from me. Yeah. Over the last year than Brotherhood and Unity. Yeah. I mean, Brotherhood and Unity, we had a great time with. We did it at a historic fest. We played it in an evening twice, you know? Mm-hmm. It just clips along. But also, you kind of see it do its thing, and then I'm good with it on the shelf for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm going to go slightly above, but it's close. Right. It's really close. Yeah, I think these two are, are not even similar games, but definitely similar, similar quality. Yeah, I agree. And I, I I, think I do agree this is not better than, just as I'm typing in here, it's not better than, than Men of Iron, but I also think Men of Iron's too low. Well, let's circle back to that and fix yeah. that. Fix that blunder. Uh, folks, I really recommend the, the two-player variant. When Patrick and I finished our game of All Bridges Burning, we did like a debrief and like, what do we like and what do we dislike? And there wasn't a lot to dislike. We really wanted to just turn around and start the two-player game again. And it, it was that good. I mean, have your expectations in place. So like, don't go in expecting a counterinsurgency game here go in expecting a game that's taken the coin system and adapted it to a historical topic we don't see a lot and done some really cool things with you know one of the most prolific game systems of the last dozen years yeah agreed there you go folks 37 we're up to 67 games nice and uh, you might say, wait a second, 37 sounds low. We still have a very top-heavy list. Oh, yeah. Uh, like you said, NATO Air Commander. That's a game we love. Mm-hmm. That's you know almost 10 spots below. All right, sweet. So normally, this is the point in the show where we plug our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash historytable, support our show, help us do cool new things. Uh, and we normally say you get to vote on our game of the month, but we had to push back this week's episode. And so we announced to our patrons, we're going to get the voting out of the way. And so Rich and I picked our games. We had a bunch of other games. I thought for sure I was going to <laughs> win this month, Rich. <laughs> Yeah, have, I cheated. I did two games. I, I did Wilderness did. War and Bayonets and Tomahawks, and yeah. it wasn't enough. And what'd you call it? You from. called it something. You you had a name for your your pair of games. Oh, I think I abbreviated French Indian War two pack. Two pack. Or yeah, and I, yeah. I said, is that a thing? Or are you making that up? That's <laughs> oh, a thing now. Yeah. But it was not enough to overcome your pick. What'd you pick, Rich? And that's our game. Salerno forty three. Awesome. New Simmage game, which also has some new interesting mechanics based on an older system. Um, this one has some uh, landing mechanics, which I think are pretty cool. I've looked at the rules. I started playing it a little bit last month just to kind of get a feel for it. And yeah, it looks really interesting. I haven't I haven't done a deep dive on a new Simmage game in a while, um, so I would love to play that. You know, what I'll, what I'll say, and, you know, we never assign homework or anything like that before is just take a look at the normandy 44 rules yeah um because salerno 43 is in my mind the closest to normandy 44 okay it's got the landing rules it has the combat limitations um very good um but it it feels like a mini normandy 44 so just just check out take a look at those because i think that's probably going to be our first measuring stick next month yeah on that i forgot that that one is actually on the list so it is. That was an early one. I'll have to go back and listen to episode five. Yeah. Well, 
I thought I was like, dang, you were in that episode five, and then I forgot that like we list episodes. <laughs> so it's like right there. It was impressive. So, but we'll of course do that in May. We'll have our our vote announced. We'll stump for our game so we can write this error and get Wilderness War on the list. Oh, you know what? I was going to talk about our Pacific War game, uh, which is back and oh, happening yeah. again. I was just going to report that like Rex got the historical z- result. I think he sunk four battleships, which is what happened, and then in all kinds of planes. But anyways, played Pacific War. Uh, back cool. to where we were. So you guys are just past Pearl Harbor? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep. Okay. We have a listener question from our good buddy Art. We're back to Mary Boink or Kill. <laughs> Ha. And this this time, it's a pretty good topic. Uh, Art has given us three scales. Rich, would you rather... This is Or tough. it's not would you rather. Pick one ma- to marry, boink, and kill. Tactical, strategic, or operational? That is tough, man. Oh, this is, this is easy for me. Easy, easy. All right. How do you want to do it? Do you want me to give them all three of mine, or what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Uh, let's each talk about who we're in marry. Okay. I'm going to marry strategic and because strategic strategic to me is the sandbox, right? Yeah. And you might say like a sandbox, like that's for fun. So why aren't you boinking strategic? Like marriage is a long-term commitment. Strategic games are long-term commitments for me. The reason why the U S civil war is so great is because I can play that for the rest of my life. And I'm playing around in a sandbox. It's why Totaler Creek is a great game. And, and, you know, just talk about your favorite strategic game. I don't care. It's the fact that you can go play in the sandbox and you have this long-term commitment, uh, with, or the, at least the potential for long-term commitment. So easy, easy, marry strategic. Well, it's not easy for me, but I'm going to marry operational. Okay. I think of my operational. That's, I mean, for, because um, when I think of operational, I think of games like OCS and GCACW. And I mean, those are, those are, are lifestyle games. Those are, those are the big but manageable games that I could just play forever. Okay. Let's talk about Boink then, because right. my Boink is operational. And here's, here's why, because I agree with everything you said, but my long-term commitment is U.S. Civil War. That's my strategic game. That's, that's, that's my, my hubba hubba ding ding, babe. You got everything. <laughs> operational. I'm good with boinking because I can go boink OCS and there's a dozen games that I can boink around between. And if I go to GCACW, there's half a dozen games there and operational. You have the GMT operational series that no one talks about. Uh, But that's got like silver bayonet and stuff. Operational is great, but like operational is a buffet. And so I'm I'm boinking operational. Interesting. See, I'm going to boink tactical. Tactical, get in, get out. Don't have to worry about supply rules. You just, you know, surround surround them and go at it. <laughs> that means I want to kill strategic. I wow. hate to say it. I don't want to kill strategic, but I have to. Just like you don't want to kill tactical, but you have to. No, I do. I do. That was the first one. Like when, when I thought about this, I was like, oh, I'm killing tactical. That's easy peasy. Oh, yeah. I can't kill tactical. Men of Iron, ASL, Front Toward Enemy. You know, my problem is when I think tactical... Line of battle? I, I, I don't... <laughs> Line of battle is in the is in the uh, Venn diagram between operational and tactical. Is it? Okay. In my eyes. Yeah. In my justification. I mean, I'll, 
Obviously, Line it's of Battle's not dying. Yeah, I mean, it really, just ranking the three, Strategic would be... It's not even to say it's the least interesting to me. I think, for me, Strategic is probably the hardest to properly model. And that's probably why I would rank it in the the kill segment if I had to. I think well, yeah, that that's tactical like a and operational, there's probably more more good games that are, I think, better modeled than they are in the strategic area. Fair enough. That's all sound and logical, but I'm <laughs> following my heart. <laughs> there you go. All right, folks, we only have a little bit of war game talk left before we really get off the table. Um, but we were... Uh, GMT was kind enough to provide their update on on time or timely uh, to us this month. It was it was our fault. GMT, yeah. do not do not think you need to change your delivery time. But we had a GMT update, and I really want to talk about this one because we've both bounced around it, and it's this: Do we care about new coin announcements <laughs> anymore? And for the last four years, I haven't. I got to tell you, the Gorilla Generation sounds really interesting to me. So if you don't know, folks, this is a four-pack of coin games. It's on P500 now, already up to 430 games, which is nuts. Um, four coin games in one. It's all Cold War insurgencies in Latin America. They are a combination of two-player games. So there's four two-player games packed in one box. Mm-hmm. Or you can play a four-player campaign game combining the games. You might say, wow, that sounds like the British way. And it sure does. But... I, the British way has some very interesting topics in it. Don't get me wrong, uh, but this one speaks to me a little bit more. And that combination of the campaign game, being able to do a four-player game, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks interesting. Um, and the fact that they're smaller two-player means that it's likely to someone that someone will bring them to a game day at some point, and I'll definitely yeah. play them. Yeah, I know I want to play British way to to check it out, but yeah. um. I don't need both. I'm, I'm sure of that. And uh, the also, topic of... Gr- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, the topic of Gorilla Generation wins out. Yeah. It's also an 18xx game. No, that's not. <laughs> you dirt. That's what I thought at first. <laughs> I, I did. 1848, the springtime of nations. Two-player card-driven game. In the vein of... Twilight Struggle, Twilight Struggle in yeah. 1989. So, will I play it? If someone has it, absolutely. I would like to try this cool, what a cool like time period, something new. I want to play it, no doubt about it. Just not for me. Yep, uh, pretty much the same way. And Men of Iron, Iron Tripack, second printing. Yes. So there you go. Folks, we've talked about how good a value something is like Roads to Gettysburg 2 is. This is sad. The orders to date on Men of Iron Tripack is 70 now maybe everybody already has it <laughs> i understand not when to p500 this i did not p500 the first tri pack it took it took jason from aac to shine light on this wonderful amazing system and then it's great it's fantastic yeah. it is bang for your buck it is 60 dollars for three games in one we're talking like roads to gettysburg value here but for a third the price yeah and each game has, what, six to eight different battles. They all have their own maps and everything. And so, yeah, there's a lot in there for $59. It's great. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, there's probably 18 battles in here or something like that. You should check it out. If you're like, 
Men of Iron. To me, Men of Iron, I re- I chalked up as Musket and Pike, and Musket and Pike is one of my least favorite topics. At least the games I've played in that time period, I I did not enjoy, and so I never really want to go back to Musket and Pike. I heard the Musket and Pike two pack is outstanding. Still not interested. Um, those folks don't listen to them about Musket and Pike. Listen to us about Men of Iron if you've never been interested. Now is the time. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know that you didn't like Musket and Pike. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think it's just more of what I've played. But yeah. even just the time period is just kind of, eh, yeah, that's fine. I was at Miniature Market early this week, and I was looking at the uh, the two-pack for Musket and Pike and thinking about it. Nice. But well. I, I knew I had Man of Iron on my table already, and I knew that I have not even played a third of the games for Men of Iron. I'm like, yeah, I'll just you know keep playing that. Yeah. Well, you're not going wrong with it. So, okay, very good. Um, we have some things on the way, though. Border Reavers is getting closer and closer. That's awesome. North Africa 41 is at the printer as well. Plantagenet is at the printer. We're going to have a, oh, if those man, time again, we're going to have another mega box. I know. I'm looking oh. for Plantagenet. I have played so much Nevsky. <laughs> I know. Amazing. I, I have not played this month just because this has been uh, one of those months. But uh-huh. yes, I need to get back and uh, rally the troops in Nevsky. It's so good. Man, I, you know, I didn't get Inferno. I think we talked about that. Playing this much Nevsky. And like, for, for me, fortunately, I have Almoravid up there. So I can, like, I can get to Almoravid and not have to go get Inferno. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I even, I even reached out and sent a message to Volko. And I just wanted, like I said, thank you so much for putting Rally the Troops <laughs> Um, it's just rekindling all of my interest in Nevsky from that initial go at it, and I'm having a blast. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's really cool that it's out there on this free website that you can just go play Nevsky. And it's a trap. It is because it does so much autom- automation that it's kind of easy to just let the things click through. Um, I'm glad I, I played before. I wouldn't want to learn on Rally the Troops, but it's, it's a great implementation. Yeah. I know when... Nevsky was announced that it was coming to rally the troops at least six months before it came out. They teased it, but I haven't seen any other teases for rally the troops. Do you know if there's anything else coming out that? Yeah. What is? Um, Red flag over Paris is somewhere oh, okay. in the pipeline. All right, cool. Yeah, that'll be a good. Other one. than that, I don't know. That'd be a you great one be... in that format. Yep. Exactly. All right. That's it for the war game talk. Um, other than that, I, I, you know, I mentioned we started like a, a friend's game night. None of those are like, uh, we did play Scout, which is like a shedding game. If you've ever played Presidents and Assholes, it's it's kind of a twist on that. The, the kind of cool, the cool thing with Scout is once you pick up your hand, you can't reorder your cards. And you're just trying to like get rid of your cards first. It, it was pretty good. Outside of that, I, I've uh, just doing a bunch of RPG stuff. But I want to talk about some books here that we have listed yeah, I want to talk a little bit about RPGs too, but yeah, let's talk Okay, books. well, let's, let's do our RPGs after the books. Okay. So, have you done any Jean, Jean Le Carré stuff? No, he does spy novels, right? Yeah, okay. he did Spy that came in from the cold, and then Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. And oh, so, I have read that one. Okay. Oh, okay. And I haven't seen the movie, either movie, either Spy that came in from the cold or the recent Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, but I was talking to our buddy Art about where to start with this stuff, and he's like, you should just start at the beginning. And so Libby had 
call for the dead and i don't know when they were written but it's i'm finding it very interesting and well written i was worried like is this gonna be really dry uh it's not i'm enjoying it so call for the dead john mockeray tinker taylor's soldier spy it was dry in a way but it was interesting it's really hard to describe like it wasn't like super action-packed sure but yeah it was it was good good all right, so you're still working through Area No, X. no, I finished it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so what do you, don't, do not spoil the future books for me. Unfortunately. <laughs> I oh. don't want to spoil anything. I will just say that it was, it, it, it peaked in the first book. Damn it. And just went downhill from there. Oh. That's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil anything since you haven't read it, but the third book was painful to get through. Okay. How was the second book? It was interesting. It was weird. It was a shift in gears because it was so different. But once okay. you got through that gear shift and realized what they were, it was it was interesting. So, I mean, not not any big spoilers, but the first book is the expedition into Area X. Uh-huh. The second book is is about the uh, the government organization that is running those expeditions. Oh, and then the third book I won't even talk about. But yeah, okay. So, so yeah. read the second one still is what you're saying? Yeah, the second one is is interesting. And then after you read the second one, I mean, you're going to want to read the third one to find out what happens. But gosh, it was just not good. <laughs> so bad. I love the atmosphere of that first book. It reminds yeah, first do you one ever was read so John, good. Do you ever read John Scalzi? No. He, like, he did like Red Shirts and Old Man's War. He does like sci-fi, but it's funny sometimes. Okay. No. Um, so he he has a series called The Interdependency. Um, and the first two books are knock your socks off good. Yeah. Like the second book was even better than the first. I really liked it. And then everything I've heard about the third book is he just completely misses the landing. Yeah. And it's really disappointing because I like those first two books a lot. And the third book, you know, you kind of need it, but I've had no interest to go back and read it because I've heard it's just bad. Um, Maybe someday I will, but and that's that's what's kind of weird about Area X is the third book feels more like the first book. It's just not Mm. as good, because like I said, it's a gear shift into the second book, and the third one mirrors the first one, but it's not as good. (laughs) It's weird. Hmm. Well, maybe someday I'll read (laughs) it and uh, yeah. And the I mean, stick. You can just stick with Annihilation and and say you read a good book. Yeah, yeah, maybe I, maybe I will someday, but oh, Annihilation is so 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 good. Yeah. Other other kind of stuff like that before we talk about RPGs, we finished Last of Us, and oh yeah, yeah, me too. Damn, what a good show! Have there you, were just did you some play like, the game? I did. Okay, I never played the game, so I'm. I mean, I knew what it was about, but I'm new to the story just watching the show. Yeah, so I will be very spoiler free here, but. The scenes with animals, uh-huh. uh, like, are in the game. And when they, they show up in the show, like, in the game, it's just, like, you go through hell in the game, and then you just <laughs> have these beautiful moments. And yeah. I thought it was really cool that the show incorporated some of that stuff in yeah. various points. And I also just think, like, the show captured the message of the game, like, really well. Yeah. And I thought those like first four episodes were all like 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Yeah. My wife asked me about it cause she knew I was watching it. She's like, what was it about? I said, it's, it's like a post apocalyptic zombie thing, but that's not really what it's about. <laughs> right. Right. So. Right. 
It's about I mean, it's, it's about the people dealing with it rather than the zombies themselves. Yeah, in your own selfishness yeah. and your own love of your family, your own definition of family, and there's some really strong themes when you think about it there. And I think you know, Ding Dong's got upset. Yeah, and just for, the the chemistry between oh gosh, Joel and Ellie, that the actor and the actress are just—I mean, they're just fabulous. They're they're adorable together. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Makes you moments. want to hug your daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no joke. They're yes, yep. There was some really good stuff in that show. Highly recommended. And the video game's great. And if you have a PS5, the remastered version is the best version I've heard. I don't have a PS5. I want to play the remastered version. Uh, it just has, like, quality of life improvements. Yeah. Um, and just improve the game. But how if you many, have, like, a PS4 or something, how many? Good. I guess they call them chapters, are there in the game? Oh, I don't even remember. Okay. Um, I have it on PS4, and I, like, fired it back up a few months ago for, like, before I was like, man, that show's going to suck. Um, <laughs> but I did, and I I just didn't stick with it. But when I originally played it, I was in law school, and I was just like, that's yeah. all I did was Last of Us. Oh, I didn't realize it was that old. It's been a while. Yeah, it came out on the PS3 first. Okay. Have you seen the new D&D movie? No, but I want to. Yeah. I was thinking about seeing that tomorrow afternoon. That'd be a fun little afternoon outing. Yeah taking the girls all right let's talk rpgs because i've been i've been uh, kind of like reshaping yeah. like shaking up how i'm tackling rpgs going forward so i had a group over last friday night to play and we played uh, one of the scenarios from the cthulhu dark ages book okay do you have that book no but i know what it is it is a fantastic setting book i mean it is just the it is so in-depth where it's it's all medieval england and most of the book is just setting stuff where, you know, they've got the towns and villages and new, you know, different character classes. They changed the sanity rules a little bit. So instead of, you know, basing them on intellect, you base them on your religion score. Because at that time, people were superstitious. They'd see a monster and be like, oh, yeah, that's a demon. But <laughs> if you know the religion, you're like, wait a minute, that ain't in the Bible. Then you go crazy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just it's so good. And there's I think there's three scenarios in there. You could easily string them in together in a small campaign. But there's enough in that book that you could just build an entire campaign out of that book. And it's really well written. I had a realization a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was last week that. I want both in my life Mansions of Madness and Cthulhu Death May Die. Meaning, yeah. I want Seventh Edition Call of Cthulhu, and I want the you are you have no idea what's going on out there, and it's very procedural, and you'll you're fragile, and if you start to understand this world, you're gonna lose it. Uh-huh. And then I also want Pulp Cthulhu because what I think is missing now is I want someone who understands it, sure. and they're gonna fight back and yeah. kick their ass. I and have. Pulp I have pulp, but I haven't played it yet. But I'm the same way. I want, I want the guy that sees a demon and pulls out his 45 and kills it. <laughs> yes. And so when you mention this, that sounds super interesting to take Call of Cthulhu and put in the Dark Ages because that sounds a lot like um, Between Two Rivers. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you could do a, you could do a kind of a setting like. Do that, you mean but between two fires? Between two fires. Yes. And yes, yeah, so, and that's yeah. yeah. So if I was going to do a campaign, it would absolutely that that would be my starting point is that book. So then now I'm wondering is so my understanding of how Pulp Cthulhu is, is you take Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu 7th edition and you change some things. You double HP and there's some different rules and sanity's yeah. changed. You give like 
they may not be called feats, but if you know D and D, you basically you get feats. You right. get like special things that your character can do. So then now I'm wondering, could you combine all three? Because how cool would it be if you're like a Warhammer wielding, yeah. demon crushing, <laughs> like badass yeah. that isn't afraid of no demons? Yeah, yeah, and you set it in a world like in like between two fires where not only is there crazy stuff going on, but the crazy stuff is at a height. Like there's a war in the heavens going on. And if you are the badass with a hammer, they know you and they're coming after you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I might have to look into this. Yeah. I, I kind of like reassessed all my call of Cthulhu stuff. It's like, I will always have call of Cthulhu, but like I, I got rid of um, the reprint of Orient Express. I'm just never going to do it. Yeah. I, if I, I did I do it, I don't want to run it. Same I want to play yeah. it. Yeah. I looked at it and I thought I would like to have this. I'd like to play it. I'd like to run it, but I, let's get through masks first. <laughs> and I'm getting rid of the big spell tome. Like I don't, oh, okay. I don't have that one. I don't know why. And like, this is just part of my like purge that I'm going on to make shelf space. In my limited Call of Cthulhu experience running stuff, I just don't know where that would ever come up. Yeah. Like, you got to be pretty deep into it, but the characters are so fragile as they should right. be. But Yeah. Yeah, my players, most of them come from D&D, and they're, they've really just played Cthulhu one or two times, probably just with me. And, like, a, one of the questions I got, like, well, how do we do magic? I'm like, well, in this world... You probably don't, and if you do, it'll make you crazy. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I didn't. Even... And I even had one guy like there. There are some pre-generated characters, and one of them was a healer. And he's like, one was a healer, and one was a priest. He's like, oh, I'll take the priest because I want to be the healer. I'm like, it's no, you're not doing magic. You're that just means you know a lot about religion. <laughs> yeah, right. I, so, I yeah, I haven't even cracked open the spell tomes. I I just like I don't even see how I'd work them into my games, and maybe someday I'll regret it, but. Yeah. Um, this, I'm way more interested in doing some pulp stuff and now I'm kind of interested in pulp dark age Cthulhu. Yeah. Now that you got me thinking about that. Cause my thought was for this group based on what they've expressed to me as their interests, I kind of wanted to go to something more typical fantasy, but not D and D just cause I don't really like D and D. Um, so I don't know some savage worlds or something. I don't know. But yeah, that oh, might work too. Go. Like a a pulp fantasy Cthulhu could could scratch all those itches. Well, and Savage Worlds could do it because yeah. Savage Worlds Sanity. The other thing you could do is you take the Dark Worlds book, and um, I I have two things that are particularly catching my interest right now. One is index card RPG. Okay. Um, so this was in a video that was basically like, hey, look at all these alternatives to D anD D, and I've basically got instead of Outside of a couple source books, like the Hellboy source book and the kind of Norse mythology uh, Kickstarter source book, I'm getting rid of all my fifth edition stuff. Um, your level is an index card RPG. It's this kind of system agnostic thing, and it can do fantasy really well. Is based off of the gear you have equipped. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting premise. It's got a great look to it. It's I haven't played it yet um but i've been messing around with it on foundry to kind of learn the core system that looks very interesting you could very easily take that and just all right we're doing cthulhu we're not going to play call of cthulhu we're going to play this fantasy rpg but we're going to kick some demon ass 
And I'm sure you could add a sanity mechanic quite easily if it's not in there. Nice. The other thing, the thing I'm most excited for is finally diving into, in a very meaningful way, and setting up Foundry modules is Lancer RPG. So Lancer is from Mastiff Press. It is a mech RPG. You play both a pilot and um, you build your own mech. And you're not... That mech can be customized and it changes out and gets even more and more badass as you level up. Um, But it's two very distinct parts of the game. The narrative gameplay is very much in the same vein as Powered by the Apocalypse. You're going to do some kind of action and... um, do a, a move it's 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 a little different here but if you're familiar with power by the pocket you do a move um and that's all in the narrative play and so when you're running around as your pilot and you're going out drinking with your friends or you're seeking out gear or, or things like that you're doing these moves and then you're talking about you know you're in the headspace of your pilot and then it very it takes a very sharp shift to tactical mech combat when you have a mech mission and it's very one the art and the world building is phenomenal it's got a great aesthetic the mech builders are like hilarious one of them is basically like if you captured all the cthulhu demons and turn them into mechs like this is what they're building and the other one is like oh these are all the weebs um super interesting world really cool dynamic where you're both playing this very narrative pilot aspect but then you you flip and then you get into a very tactical uh, mech combat with a bunch of badass weapons and, and cool mechs. Hmm. Very excited to do. Lancer. I haven't even heard of this before. Yeah, it's from Massive Press. They had a yeah. Kickstarter for it. They're sold out of their physical books. I'm really glad I have one. They don't know if they're going to do another run, but they're also working on a new game called Icons. And you can go to their itch page, uh, itch.io, and they you can get the free trial of that. And they're doing this play test on icons, and I assume at some point there will be uh, a Kickstarter. But the fan base for Lancer is outstanding. There's one massive press came out with CompCon, which is how you build your pilots and mechs, and it's like this whole web-based computer program. It's really cool. But like the fans have just put in so much work into building building out the foundry module and building beautiful maps and just all this cool stuff. It's very well supported. It's, uh, I was listening to the Lords of the dungeon and one of them said it's the game. No one's talking about, but everyone wants to, or something to that effect. Like if you go join the discord, there's like 30,000 people on there, but no one's talking about Lancer and maybe it's just cause they're all busy playing it. I don't know, but Lancer very excited for it. After talking about this, I'm probably going to watch some mech anime before bed tonight. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it's it's hard to... The world is so massive, right? Like, you have... It's not just set in our solar system. And so, that can be daunting. Like, if you think of, like, all these big space operas and all these big mech animes you may or not have watched, like, there's so much lore there. And so, I'm like, I want to do this, but for the longest time, I didn't know how. And so... They've started coming out with full-size campaigns. Some Kickstarters have launched from fans. And now there's like four or five really recommended kind of intro missions or scenarios to gear you up into the world of Lancer. But then it kind of becomes your own. Like, yeah, it's massive and you have this kind of core government, but you're on the outreaches of space. And 
it's kind of hard for them to enforce everything. So you can kind of take it in your own direction or you can dive into a very rich and deep lore setting if you want. Sorry, you poked the bear. You said you want to talk RPGs tonight. And no, they've been, definitely. They've yeah. been uh, in my headspace a lot. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know when my next game will be. We usually just kind of wouldn't have a set schedule or anything. We just kind of play them ad hoc. And then I've got online stuff. It seems like it's been harder to schedule stuff. Tomstown, we're having to get going. Yeah. Uh, last session of Alien RPG with Hollywood, we're having a hard time finding space for, so... Yeah, we're all overlapping. I'm I'm trying to take some steps to like mitigate that like on my own end. Um so hopefully because now it's like if I go 2 months without playing a game, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not engaging with it in the way yeah. I am. It's too infrequent. And so that's got to change and that just means that things are going to have to get dropped. Um there's just too much going on, which is I mean that's just life. We're all busy adults and this is an escape for us and um, I want meaningful, deep engagement with the games I'm playing. Yeah, um, I'm the same way. I really want, I want campaigns. I want long campaigns. Even like my Warhammer thing, it's really frustrating for me right now because uh, with uh, family schedule, I, I basically, I have to show up an hour late every time we play. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's driving me nuts because I hate missing that first hour. Yeah, and it's not even uh, uh, like... If I had a regularly ongoing thing, a massive campaign would be cool. But it's not even that. Like, what if it was just, you know, okay, we're doing this adventure and it's going to be eight sessions. Mm-hmm. But, wow, that would be really nice if that took four months instead of eight months, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just, that's where yeah. my headspace has been. We all need I've been back playing in college where we can just, like, stay yeah. up all night on Friday exactly. night and play or something. Yeah, I told, so we re, we asked our friends that come over and play games sometimes, like, hey, we're, like, we have two kids. We don't go out anywhere. It, we would love to, like, make this a regular thing. Let's do this. And I had, like, talked to my, so my wife and I have done some one-on-one role-playing stuff at the table in a role-playing game, folks. Um, so I asked her, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if uh, Chris and Lydia wanted to do that? And she's like, I I like those things, but I don't want to do it every month. And I was like, <laughs> chance. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, heavy heavy on uh, RPGs are in the forefront on a lot of stuff. And that's, I don't know, they're, it's the games. I've really enjoyed my war games this month. They've been fantastic, but nothing was like this massive brain burner like Pacific War. You know, like that just takes so much to really sink into and mm-hmm. like i'd already played a little all bridges burning and scs is dead simple and it was great games but it was lighter games and so then that's kind of freed up some thought space for rpgs which has been great cool yes very very cool all right you got anything else buddy oh anything else i think we're good i think so too i think it was a great episode I think if people want to come hang out with us and talk RPGs, we actually don't even have an RPG channel, but we have a What Are You Playing channel. That'll work. If you want to come by and talk RPGs or Area X or George Smiley or War Games or Role Playing, whatever, come by our Discord. It's a great place to hang out. There's a link down in our show notes. You just click on that. You pop in. You introduce yourself. Say, hey, these are the games I like. We chit-chat. We, Gosh, I feel like last week we convinced 
one individual to dive into GCACW and another person was checking out Blind Swords. And it, it was cool. Uh, lots of feedback on that. Um, someone's getting ASL advice. The Boyd's getting ASL advice. There's just all kinds of different things going on. We're talking comics. Uh, we're putting together coin games, picking up Nevsky games left and right. Yeah, just stop by. It's a good place. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of good discussion there. All right. Well, I don't have anything else, Rich. No, nothing else for me. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Stop by the Discord. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email, historytablepodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Facebook, but really Discord, as we say every time, is the place to find us. Uh, if uh, if we don't talk to you before then, we'll see you next Friday for Coffee and Conflict, and that evening, later that evening, we'll see you for the Historical Board Game Awards. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Good night.